Okay, so <laughs> some real talk. Colossians is one of those books in which I tend to steer clear. This book of the Bible falls into what's known as Deuteropaul, which is a text that is attributed to Paul, but scholars do not think was actually written by him. Perhaps the ancient author wanted the audience to think it was written by Paul, or perhaps it was someone who was in the Pauline school. Whoever this author was, they were pretty anti-women. Some of those really gross Greco-Roman household codes and behavior. Yeah, this author just shellacked those right onto the assembly of Christ. As scholar Mary Rose D'Angelo put it, Colossians is a step toward a Christianity that became increasingly restrictive and even abusive for women, children, and slaves. The authority of the household codes long endorsed slavery and battery, and Colossians theology helped to Christianize social patterns of domination and subordination. So yeah, wow. Now, at this point, a lot of you may be scratching your heads, maybe even a couple comments in the chat about how I usually preach from the extra canonical text. Why, you may be asking yourself, if she does not like this book so much, is she preaching from it well? Though I don't align theologically with the general goal of this book, though I think it's hella problematic and is the root of some of the major issues we have now in Christianity, I do think that we are meaning makers. I take seriously God's call for us to be co-creators. Middle's theme this year is reclaim and reframe, repair and rebuild. And I want us to reclaim and reframe what's been hijacked by bad theology. I want us to rebuild in the world and repair in ourselves so that we may breathe in a new life-giving spirit into it. In order to do that, family, we must be familiar with this text. We must know and read the context Know that what should have survived a thousands of years of orthodoxy and praxy and what should, you know, be read for historical context and maybe left in the ancient history, which for me is most of it. But it's important to know where we ran off the tracks, where the story got distorted, where the teachings were manipulated. And as one can see from a reading of this ancient text, those misunderstandings and shiftings of teachings were happening even as early as biblical times. Even then, everyone wasn't on the same page. If we are going to take seriously the work of rebuilding and repairing, of reclaiming and reframing, we've got to know from whence we came and how we got to where we are. And, beloved, even a stopped clock is right twice a day. Because hidden away within some of this questionable theological argument are some gems which is funny because the author's argument rests in the contrast of hidden and revealed all throughout this text. When we read through the, the muddy bits of what's been put upon this text, when we attempt to understand the author, their context and their goals, universal truths emerge. Scholars tell us there were competing theological sects that had taken root in Colossae, some steeped in mystery, some purported multiple steps between the people and God in order to get to salvation. Our perfectly human, flawed, ancient author portrays a worldwide message, even though the world they're talking about is a bunch of different cultures meshed under Roman Empire. The writer paints all these cultures as way more spiritually united than they ever could be through Roman conquest. 
They're trying to wipe away, away exclusion and an elitist system of special knowledge. And the empath in me resonates with that. I mean, me and this author, we definitely have different ways of getting there, but I can understand wanting to get rid of systems of belief that exclude people. This author is trying to talk to those people. Last week, I took my niece Eliana to Six Flags Fiesta in Antonio, in San Antonio. Um, we went early, but by midday, it was over 100 degrees. My little social butterfly had made friends with a couple kids uh, by then, and we all made our way over to the water park area. After the lazy river and a couple of very high slides, we went over to the wave pool. Now, no sooner had I turned my back to put down our belongings than the children were gone, swiftly disappearing into the crowded pool. I stood there with the grandmother of the um, other two children, both of us searching in vain this Where's Waldo wave pool live action picture. Now, she had successfully kept up with the three kids on the lazy river while I had gotten stuck behind a cluster of tubes. So after a few minutes of futile searching from the shore, I volunteered to go in after them. <laughs> Well, this is literally impossible, I thought to myself. Now, Ellie is an excellent swimmer, thanks to some lessons from her grandparents, so I wasn't worried for her. But in a wave pool in San Antonio, Texas, where most of the people in the water were black or brown or tan, my little biracial niece didn't stand out like she might have at the wave pool back home at Indiana Beach. But as I waded deeper, suddenly she was right in front of me, right in front of my sight, coming up from the water. What had been a mystery on the shore was literally right in front of me. What was hidden was revealed. I didn't find her, she was revealed to me. Recently, I re-encountered an extra canonical text called The Secret Revelation of John through a scholar and colleague, Shirley Paulson's new book, Illuminating the Secret Revelation of John. I've been, like I imagine a lot of you, struggling with hope on the other side of some pretty awful blows to bodily autonomy, to our rights, to protecting us from guns, and feeling like the end is not even yet near. I have struggled. But this text, The Secret Revelation of John, it gave me hope. It reintroduced me to my hope. The hope that, as the Colossians text tells us, lives within me that only needed to be revealed, the hope of the glory that is to come. This ancient text, the secret revelation of John, uses myth to purport that evil's root is evil. It will never be good. And since evil is inherently destructive, it will inevitably destroy itself. It cannot win. Hallelujah, thanks be to God. As Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once said, the arc of the moral universe is long, but it bends towards justice. Consider then with me that there are other arcs too. The arc of kindness, the arc of goodness, the arc of peace, the arc of love. Later in this Colossians text, it reads, as the chosen of God, holy and beloved, Put on compassion, goodness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing up one another, and if there are complaints, forgiving each other. As the Lord forgave, so also should you. Above all, add to these things love, which is the bond of maturity. 
Let the peace of Christ settle in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. As a process theologian, I believe in a God that changes its mind, that there are always, <clears throat> that there are always in every moment, even the molecular level, infinite options, possibilities, choices available to us. Hold this theology of the arc of the moral universe with me, with this um, process theology. And that means each decision adjusts what's available so that we are always moving toward the good. Even when evil makes a play, the ark adjusts. Even when evil is in hot pursuit of the good, the ark adjusts. Even when we seem to be surrounded by evil, there are infinite possibilities just waiting to be revealed by our creative minds. Some of these possibilities hold within them the, po the path toward glory. We must then hold as our ancient author names the hope of the glory that is already inside us. It is a great mystery to be able to hold this kind of hope in times like these, but I know it is within you just as it is, as it is in, in me. The hope of the glory. It is in this hope that we move, stretch, pull, drag, inch along the arc toward the good, toward the justice, toward the love. And when we proclaim this hope, when we share this wisdom, we present as mature, as wise in Christ, clear on the objectives he laid out in his ministry, putting on love, which is the bond of maturity. Reveal that hope that is the glory within you to others. Only by doing this will one day the glory come. And when it comes, it will be ours, beloved. It will be ours. In Jesus' name, amen.